0: He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind." to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Yes, the reading is chapter 3 of Proverbs, all of it. <clears throat> My son... Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. (coughs) My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, The man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster, or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold goods from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow, when you have it with you now. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man, or choose any of his ways, for the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise will inherit honour, but fools he holds up to shame. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: It was great to hear Howard preach this morning. and. Um, I'm going to confess how not to prepare a sermon, I think, in response to your... uh, I I haven't had the benefit of the Spurgeon College education, you see. Maybe I wouldn't have made the kind of mistakes that I did today had I had the benefit of that. So, as I said, I was pondering the meaning of this phrase, the favour of the Lord, and I'd been pondering it and pondering it, and I thought, yes, this is... The theme, when I was asked what the theme for the service was going to be in the readings, and I picked the readings, Proverbs, uh, got some great stuff about how it is to live, um, to earn the favour of God. And of course that classic one, uh, as soon as you think of the favour of the Lord, you think of Jesus standing and preaching and saying and declaring, this is the year of the favour of the Lord. So when I came later on to actually prepare the sermon, I thought, I want to understand what the word, the favour of the Lord, means. And and hopefully I will earn some brownie points with with fellow preachers. I, I got my Strong's exhaustive concordance out, okay? Which is, if you've not seen it, it's a thing of wonder to behold. It's the kind of, any preacher that claims to know Greek or Hebrew has probably just got this on their desk somewhere. And I confidently looked up the two passages I'd selected to understand exactly which word... What the deep meaning was, only to discover that according to Strong, who is exhaustive after all, the word favour doesn't actually appear in either of those readings. So that was a bit of a problem. So then I had to get my New King James version out, which is the backup plan, to work out what the word was that Strong thought was favour. And it turns out it's acceptable. So those of you that like the New King James, uh, when Jesus stands to declare, he preaches the acceptable year of the Lord doesn't have quite the same ring to it, does it really? Um, but actually, it, the word is to do with being accepted, having the delight, to be pleased with, to be bringing pleasure, favour. So maybe we weren't too off the mark. And actually quite similar to the word that translates as grace as well, the goodwill A similar word is used um, when Joseph uh, goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, um, it's said that Pharaoh has the goodwill of Joseph in mind. It's the same word, the favour. So this idea that it's something very beneficial, something very beautiful, something to be preferred, uh, to be favoured. So I thought, great, right, now I'm on the right track. And I had a, a further pondering and thinking... What does it mean? What are the things that we need to learn about this favor of the Lord? And here I am on the right track. Three points. Uh, So I thought about the favour of the Lord and I thought there's a promise here. There's a promise for us about the favour of the Lord. There's also something really crucial about our identity, what it means to be people that live under the favour of the Lord. And thirdly, I think, and I hope you will agree by the time I conclude, there's a call to action actually in it, as messengers uh, for the word of God to go and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So promise, identity and action, these are my three points. So we heard in Proverbs, you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. It's a promise, you will win favour in the sight of God. So this tells us something really important, that favour of the Lord is something that is available to us. This idea that God is pleased, that God is happy, that God is, um, prefers us, is gracious towards us, shows us favour, is something that's possible, it's something that's available. And Proverbs gives us guidance about how we should live to receive this favour. Uh, It's quite a big list of things Um, It's not a quiz, I'm not going to ask you to score yourselves out of ten But here are some clues, you probably picked them up as Terry was reading it Uh, Number one, keep God's commands That's fairly straightforward, isn't it? Keep all of the commands of the Lord Trust the Lord, great Submit to him Fear the Lord Honour God with your money Seek God's wisdom God loves it. We heard preach on that recently about Solomon. God loves it when we ask him for wisdom. He loves it when we're generous, specifically in this uh, reading, when we're generous to our neighbours. When we willingly give our things to our neighbours when they ask and we don't delay and we don't put it off. And God says, live like this and I'll be pleased with you. Live like this and I will show you favour. Don't worry, those of you that are struggling a little with this, there's the grace bit coming in a minute. But I think it's important for us to to think, are there things that God has called us to do? Maybe not in that list, but are there things that God has called us to do or given to us to do that we've neglected, that we've put aside? Because being obedient to God brings favour. It's a beautiful thing to know you're doing what God wants you to be doing. It's a really good thing to know that this is the place he wants me to be. This is the thing that he's called me to do. This is the person that he wants me to be speaking to. This is the thing he wants me to be saying. Whatever it is, um, however insignificant it might seem, if it's the thing that God has called you to do, then there is a favor that comes from being obedient to that. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, These are the ones I look on with favor, says God. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at my word. Those who are hungry for God's word, those are humble and contrite in spirit. These are the ones I look on with favour. In 2 Chronicles, we read, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Isn't that great? your heart is perfect towards the Lord, and his eyes are seeking out people like that. He will show favour to people whose hearts are perfect towards him. Maybe too much for us to achieve on our own, but the good news is we don't have to. So Proverbs tells us that the favour of the Lord is available and that God seeks out those who love him and obey him. So he can bless them, he can guide them and he can protect them. But a couple of caveats, I think, are, are, are due. Not everyone who is prosperous and wealthy is enjoying the favour of the Lord. That's, that's not what it means, is it? it? It's not just an outward thing. And we can't judge by the world standards of favour. Because it's a a, a spiritual thing as well. Jeremiah says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do the faithless live at ease? And sometimes there are people that look like they're living very blessed lives. Despite doing many of the things that the writer of Proverbs would counsel them boldly against. Nor does it mean that those whom the Lord favours will never suffer difficulties (laughs) And people do persist in preaching this prosperity gospel despite the very strong evidence of pretty much every hero of the Bible. You know, Noah lived under the favour of the Lord, didn't he? But had many difficulties. Moses, Daniel, Mary, Paul, anybody really that you name who is a, a hero of the Bible that you can say lived under the favour of the Lord had difficulty in equal measure. But what those people had and what I think we can have is the knowledge that God is with us and that nothing can happen to us apart from his purpose. Romans 8:28. In all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And for me, living in that knowledge in itself is experience in the favour of the Lord. And I think that brings me on to my second thing that I wanted to talk about. Identity. God, of course, he's pleased with us when we are obedient. He loves it when we do what he tells us to do. He loves it when we follow his commands and demonstrate um, submission to him. But favour is not just about what we do. It's actually about who we are. And who we are is based on who God is. So there's something unshakable and unchangeable in our identity and therefore in the way that we received the favour of the Lord. In the reading that we heard um, from Luke, a bit just before that, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogue and everybody praised him. Wow. Everybody praised him. They really loved him. Proverb talks about the favour of man. And I think at that point Jesus had it. Didn't he? He went in. There was an anticipation. Everybody praised him. But actually, that wasn't where Jesus was getting his identity from. He wasn't hanging his identity on the favour of the people. The chapter before is that brilliant passage that describes Jesus' baptism. And of course, Jesus knows the favour of the Father because as he comes up out of the water, the Father says this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he'd really even begun his ministry, the favor of God was on him because of who God was and who he and who Jesus was, not because of what he'd done. There's a couple of songs that uh, we've been singing this this summer. We've been away to Bible camps. Uh, One of them that's really stuck with me. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Isn't that amazing? I'm loved by you. It's who I am. That is the favour of the Lord, to have this identity, to have this unshakable knowledge of who we are. And I guess my challenge around identity is, do we know who we are? And do we know how loved we are? This morning we sang a song that had a line, I'm as loved as I could be. Isn't that brilliant? I'm as loved as I could be. Do we know that? Do we know that that is what our identity is? In Jesus, we are forgiven, we are chosen, we are adopted, we're called beautiful, favoured, free, restored. And I think, in addition to the outward evidence of God's favour, we feel this favour in our spirit. When we have the favour of the Lord, we can rest in quiet confidence that our sins are forgiven. Romans 4 verse 8 says, blessed is the one whose sins will never count against him. What more favour do we need to rest in that security? There's a brilliant guy called Simon Ponsonby who we heard speak this summer. And uh, he said, God will never let you down. Your circumstances and feelings are irrelevant. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you feel like you've been abandoned or you feel like you've been debt down, you haven't. The way things look and the way you feel is irrelevant because, and this is Simon Ponsonbury's line, it's not about you. It's about God and it's about who he says you are. And I think there's a relief here that our identity is not about who we are, is it? It's about God and it's about what he says about us. Scripture says, he is my fortress. I can never be shaken. And so we know that the promise is there. We know that God's favour is available. We know that actually it's not about wealth and stuff, that the favour is about this security, this identity. And I think that brings us onto this call for action. I don't think it's too much of a a stretch to say that at the moment our nation is facing a bit of an identity crisis. And I think at an individual level as well we can see that there is a real problem with identity couple of uh, news stories to make the point. One pretty sad, one a little bit silly. There is a town in Canada, a very, very small town in Canada. I don't know if anyone else has read about it this week. In the past year, more than 100 of their teenagers have attempted suicide. And the youngest one of them is just 11. And uh, this week, the Canadian Prime Minister actually visited to try and figure out what was going on. And the news report said he was told that the kids feel like they've been left alone and they don't matter there's a hopelessness because people don't know that there's a father who loves them I had a very powerful conversation a long time ago at university with a friend of mine he had a very broken relationship with her father she wasn't a Christian she was living in a house with three Christians she was kind of blind to our help. you know she sort of brought the biscuits along to the alpha course that we had and made the tea in our house for the alpha course but she never quite got it and one time she just cried and she said to me I just wish that there was somebody instead of my father another father that just loved me <laughs> And I was, well there is <laughs> um, I don't know where she is or whether she ever got it, but people feel this, they feel this longing, they feel this emptiness, they feel this sense of I don't feel loved, nobody loves me, nobody wants me. And I think the church should be declaring that there is an answer, there is a father, there is somebody that loves and cares for you and has a purpose and a plan for you. And on a more light-hearted note, despite the economic uh, downturn, I think we're calling it now, uh, cosmetics apparently is the fastest-growing consumer division uh, in the full year to the 30th of June, a 9% increase in sales in cosmetics in the UK. Um, Estee Lauder put this down to selfies. You know, the constant taking pictures of yourself. Estee Lauder say, the snap-happy generation want to be con- camera-ready at all times. Which is a bit scary, because it kind of says, well, what they're seeing when they take the picture isn't enough. <laughs> they feel they have to spend all this time and all this money on this makeup, because clearly, maybe it's a stretch, but to me as my old self, I think... There's an identity crisis here. There's there's people are looking at themselves, they're not liking what they're seeing, and they're having to kind of put these layers and layers on, and filters and makeup and false eyelashes and peculiar eyebrows and all that kind of stuff. And you think, what is going on? People don't seem to know who they are. And Jesus proclaimed the year of the Lord's favour. He came and he proclaimed favour to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed... And we know that disciples of a rabbi didn't just learn from their teaching, they imitated what their rabbi did. They looked at what the rabbi did and they imitated the actions. And as disciples of Jesus, we don't just listen to his teaching, we look at what he did. And that was the beginning of his mission, that is what he did. He went and he proclaimed and he demonstrated favour to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed. And I think this is our mission too. This is our calling, to go, to proclaim favour, to proclaim that there is this thing called the favour of the Lord, that it is available, that fundamentally you are loved, you are cherished, you are chosen, you matter, you have value, you have worth, and proclaim that with all our strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit to the poor, to those bound up, to the blind, to the oppressed. Jesus might have gone to the temple to the acclaim of everybody. (laughs) But by the time he'd read his passage, by the time he'd finished speaking, we read that the people were furious. They got up, they drove him out of town and they took him to the brow of a hill in order to throw him off a cliff. They were so offended by what he said. But I love what happens next. It's almost as if to prove that it's not the opinion of man that matters. It doesn't matter that in that instant the crowd have gone from loving him to being furious because the favour of God hasn't changed. To prove that the circumstances are irrelevant, as Simon Ponsonby would say. Lovely understated verse. So he's at the top of a cliff with a mob about to throw him off a cliff because he's offended them so much. And verse 30, he walked through the crowd and went on his way. Brilliant. Favour of the Lord. And the last image I just want to leave you with. Again, something I read in the news this evening, the, uh, yesterday, actually, and it made me just think about the favour of the Lord. Did anybody read the amazing story about the uh, zebra finches, I think they were, singing to the chicks? You read that? Okay, for those of you that haven't read it, apparently, scientists have proved that there's a special song that the mother bird sings to the chicks while they're still in the egg, if it's going to be hot. Okay? And it basically in birds translates as, it's going to be hot guys, you need to be a bit different when you're born. Okay? And it it preconditions them to survive in a hot climate. And they've done all these tests in the labs where they've got the eggs and they've got recordings of the songs and some of the eggs they've played the songs to and some of them they haven't. But there's this idea that this mummy chick can sing over the eggs and that their whole identity, actually, their whole physical makeup gets changed because the the mummy bird's singing over the babies. And as I was reading that and thinking again, as I have been for the last week or so about the favour of God, I was reminded of a verse from Zephaniah 3, verse 19. The Lord will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. And we have a God who sings over us. He sings a song of favour. He sings a song of promise. He sings a song of acceptance and of identity and love. And he sings a call to action, That this isn't something that's to be kept quiet and secret. (laughs) But this is something that we can share. And that by sharing the promise with the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, the lonely, the desperate, the suicidal, the selfie insecure generation. We bring healing, we bring restoration, we bring salvation. Amen. So we sing, You Chose the Cross. And this has the line, Because of Jesus' unfailing love, I am forgiven, I am restored. And I pray that as we sing, God would confirm to us just how loved we are, just who we are, and stir in us that call to action to share that with those that we meet this week.